Welcome to episode two of season two of Oots, or Out of the Studio, where we talk to graphic designers about what makes them tick, their favorite colors, and what would happen if two random typefaces got married and had kids. Today's guest is very multi-talented and is known for working as a designer, a watercolorist, an illustrator, novelist, and playwright. After graduating from the Alberta College of Art and Design, Craig Turlson moved to Toronto and began a 26-year career of illustration, working for magazines and newspapers such as Saturday Night, Toronto Life, Chatelaine, and The Globe and Mail. His work also appeared in and won awards for the Boston Globe, Philadelphia Inquirer, Psychology Today, and Graphics World London. In the 90s, Craig took his studio to Winnipeg, where he continued his illustration career pursued a comic syndication contract, and began writing fiction. His fiction has been published in literary journals in the US, UK, and South Africa, as well as two short story collections and four novels. His 2017 novel, Fallen One Day, gained him a McNally Robinson bestseller status and a nomination from the Manitoba Book Awards. Currently, he teaches principles of design and is the design manager at Canadian Mennonite University. What led you to graphic design? I think uh, I, ne- I never, I never intended to be one. You know, it, it was, it was kind of a, a weird thing. I, I went to art school, but I didn't even really know what that was. Um, in my small town in Saskatchewan, um, if you had an art career, you were the sign painter. What and, small town was that? Uh, Weyburn, Saskatchewan. Oh, cool! Well, I've been was, there. Have you really? Oh yeah. Okay. Weyburn, See, Saskatchewan. It's kind of, it's kind Shout of out. F- famous for things, you know, um, like <laughs> W. W. Mitchell. Yeah, there you go. I, Tommy Douglas, another one. Oh, cool. Um, but so my dad would take me over to the sign painter shop, and I'd watch these sign painters and stuff. So, but anyways, I ended up going. Going to art school, not like looking for an art career, but not really. Um, does I didn't know what a, I didn't know what graphic design was. I mean, it wasn't actually okay. even a term that much. It didn't seem like where I was growing up, people would never use that term. Well, they just called them sign painters. Sign, sign painters, or yeah, no one designed anything. So, so it was a it was an odd path, and and I don't know. Really, the beginnings of it were um, were school uh, third and fourth year. Like, was it's a four year program at the Alberta College of Art and Design, and you you do a lot of design. Right. But towards the end, I was like, um, I don't think I want to do this. Well, what did, in high school, like, what did you think you were going to do? My father thought I was going to law school <laughs> or business school. He would actually. This is kind of a funny thing. He would bring home lawyers to meet me. And, um, and, and I was pretty good academically, but, um, uh, he, he did the opposite thing. I said, I really don't want to do what they're doing kind of thing. And so I was really interested in music and I was interested in art and I didn't know like if there was like an art career, you know? And, and, um, so I heard this term commercial art. That's what they called it. Right. And my dad liked the term cause it had the word commercial in it. Wait, do you, okay, do you have any brothers or sisters real quick? Uh, two sisters, yeah, two older sisters. I'm the youngest. I'm okay, the kid, so right? then did your dad have any designs for your siblings as well to become doctors and lawyers No, as, it's as kind of well? weird. I mean, like, I don't want to stereotype small town Saskatchewan, but, you know. But you're uh, gonna. But I'm going to right now. Here we go. Um, my sisters were not headed towards post-secondary. I was the only kid that went to post-secondary. I was the only kid that left Weyburn. 
You know, oh, my, of all your friends? Well, no, my friends oh, left from my family. family. My family, yeah. My sister stayed in town. You know, one lived a block away from my mom and dad. One lived two blocks away kind of thing. And I moved. Right. I just moved. But right? they kind of just got married and had kids type kinda of deal. Kind of like that, yeah. And, yeah. and and the weird thing is there was no one in my family who was artistic. Like no one anywhere. Well, what did your dad do? Uh, he was like a businessman, uh, sold real estate. He became a politician. He was an alderman. He was like oh, a, he cool. was a business guy, right? Yeah. So he wasn't artistic either, and so they didn't know really what to do with this kid who liked to paint and draw. Yeah, you know, and 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 no one was telling me that I could go do this for a job. No. Well, yeah, no one no one ever does. If you're yeah. in grade nine or twelve or something, that that's the last thing anyone's going to say is, you know, you, you could get into art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that's, what's a really good idea? You know, that's art. That's, that's, that's what you want to do, art. You know, exactly. <laughs> because uh, in, in my family, it'd be like people who are either business people or it's a farming community yeah. or the trades, but not like um, art. I'm going to do art. So right. you were in this thing for four years, you said. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a four year program where you go into what was the first year called foundation year where you just do everything, um, and then you apply to get into what's called visual communications if you want to. And visual communications is graphic design, illustration, photography. It's an amazing program. And which school was this again? Uh, Alberta College of Art and Design in, okay. in Calgary, ACAD. ACAD. You know, you know, and um, it was a great school and just opened my eyes in so many ways to things. And, and, you know, I'll touch on just because we're in Weyburn for a minute, I'll, I'll touch on the, on, on the um, guidance counselor thing that, that, that you know, what are they going to do with this kid, right? And, and she, I still remember, she trotted out this dusty brochure that said, you and commercial art. I still remember. I wish I had it. Mm. And everyone on, on it looked like they were right out of Mad Men. But like not, when I look back, not like cool madmen. They're all like dorky, like crew cuts and big black glasses and stuff like commercial art and you. And I'm like, what is this? Showed my father. And then fast forward, um, I went and it was, it was mind blowing. Like really, you think about a 10,000 people in my small city and you go to a city of whatever Calgary was four or 500,000 at the time into this place of instructors who are going to open up with this world which i knew nothing about you know so it was yeah so i landed on um illustration eventually it wasn't graphic design what know? other streams were uh, a possible choice well in in acad you can um go there's a fine art stream so there's actually painting uh, sculpture ceramics That's capital a artist capital a <laughs> artist and glass blowing i live with a glass no yeah i live with a glass blower in second year amazing great guy his name was trevor he taught me how to cook you know he taught me so many things and i would go and watch him blow glass in front of these huge fires and all the glass blowing students you knew them because they all had red faces it's true because they'd be they always sunburns you'd be sunburns from the fire right and so then there was a chunk of the school and it was actually very divided because you had the fine artists on the left and you had all which I would call now graphic designers on the right, but they called it visual communications. And so second, third, fourth year, you are trained in all of it. Photography, illustration, graphic design, reproduction techniques, which I always say is not what you think it is, right? It sounds like, it sounds like it's not the health. Kama Sutra. No, no, no. We're not, we're not just talking health class, right? Um, it was it's like tracing with uh, onion skin paper oh, and stuff no, like that. No, no. <laughs> you know, this is this is going to this is going to reveal my age. There was no computers. These were PMT cameras. This was line cameras. What's this a was P PMT. Yeah, you had to What's shoot. That stand for? I don't know. <laughs> 
But if you wanted something and, and, and you would actually, you would print it off, negatives, you would paste them down with wax and you would cut, cut called, what's called ruby lift. We're talking oh, about yeah. old stuff, lift. right? Yeah. I had to go in the lab. There was one project we had to do. I'm sure we were in the lab for 30 hours cutting ruby lift, mm. lift you know, and so you learn the printing process. You learn the difference between CMYK and RGB and all that kind of stuff. And so you come out of there ready to be an art director because wow. you've got a little bit of everything. You take two years of photography, you know, and there's actually, you can specialize as a photographer there too. That's you know? so cool. So it was a fantastic school. And so at the end of fourth year, I'm like, I'm love, I'm starting to love design. I'm starting to finally really, really love design, but it scared me because designers have to know everything. They have to know type photography, how it works, stock, like what kind of paper are you going to put this thing on? And I said, you know, if I'm an illustrator, I can just make artwork that becomes somebody else's problem. Like I literally thought that in fourth year. It's like, I can do artwork and I, and you make it look good in the magazine yeah, or the brochure not, or whatever. Not my problem. No, here, I'm going to put it in this. Here it is. Go, you know, plus I really liked illustration, but so that, that was, that was the career beginning. Yeah. And, but but then so then you became a and tried to do an illustrator right out of uh, right out of it. Right we had um, cool story around that is a bunch of us was a really illustrative year that we all went to Toronto, uh, right out of right out of school. And there were so many of us that around Toronto, this is 1985, uh, late 80s, uh, we became known as the Calgary Mafia. Um, there was a bunch of us. <laughs> Because you go show your portfolio to art directors, and they're all like, oh, another Calgary guy, you know. Right. And um, But I broke into illustration, and it was my career for 26 years. Yeah, awesome. that's, that's all I did. I did very little design. You know, I did like, once in a while, some friend would ask me to do like a, a CD, or well, they didn't even have CDs then, like yeah, album, album designer, cover. album covers with that. But really, it was just, I... I Drew pictures and painted for a living, like so then, for twenty six years. And and these would have been like any type of commercial application, like would it be, I don't know, posters. Uh... Well, I was mostly editorial magazine guy. Like I worked for, I pretty much say like any Canadian magazine you can mention, I've worked for. Like I worked for years for Chatelaine, Toronto Life, Saturday Night was a big mag back then. Um, business, and just doing little know. illustrations off the side. for Sometimes any, there yeah. were what's called spot illustrations, or you do. I did covers. Mm -hmm. I did full page covers. I worked for the Globe and Mail a lot, and then I started to work in the states as well. So I worked for the Boston Globe. I worked for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Like I worked all over, cool. like wherever. Because as an editorial person, you have to work for as many clients as you can. Mm -hmm. And um, then I would do uh, children's books. Which didn't pay very much, and some advertising, but I didn't like advertising that much. Cool, you know, children's so, books. That's kind of yeah, neat. I did about five children's books. Oh, that's so and, neat. Yeah, so so I was a painter, you know, and so you know um, that was uh, I was a watercolor painter, and um, I think that uh, it just be became a. And it was normalized. So it was kind of funny when I came to Winnipeg, which was uh, in the 90s, um, as a Toronto illustrator. And Winnipeg would often ask me, um, they'd see my portfolio and they go, what else, would you, what else do you do? Mm -hmm. And I go, well, no, this is all I do. Because in Toronto, you become known for this style. You can specialize. It was very much specialized, yeah. And in, in and, Manitoba, they want you to generalize. They didn't know what to do with me. So <laughs> even though I lived in Winnipeg and still do, um, I did very little Winnipeg work. I was still working for uh, Toronto, New York, and other places, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And so then for over this 20-something uh, careers being a, a painter slash uh, illustrator, yeah. um, what were some of the, so I don't know, I guess teachable moments, like what were some of the, the, the funny little speed bumps? Uh, well, the first speed bump was right out of the gate. Um, I came out of 
uh, art college as an oil painter, really brooding, moody oil paintings, which dark, dark, which, yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was a, it was a trend in the eighties, but if you get to know me, you, you know that I'm, I'm not that. And, um, so this, I, I had a art director from Canadian business gave me one of my first jobs and she said, well, yeah, but I don't like your oil paintings. Like, give me something else. She saw some sort of sketch and she said, put some color on this. And I said, oh, okay, well, I took a watercolor class once. I'll try this. And the teachable thing was, is I learned how bloody hard watercolor is. And I had an instructor say, you will see many, many paintings die in front of you. And I did. Every painting that I Kind of, because watercolor, you you end up just throwing them away if they're not working, right? You just can't. Well, you can't resurrect it like with well, oils or something. This is a transparency, right? Yeah. And so oils have the opaqueness, and and watercolors don't. And so I learned every painting taught me something. Um, and so I think I got better and better, and I became known for this particular style, which I didn't even have in art college, and I became known as this humorous, often watercolorist, um, pen and ink watercolor, which is almost I want to say Canadian style. You know, and we're uh, gonna have to. You're gonna have to scan some images for us. We're gonna have to put this up on our blog to show people what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like I mean, and, and I actually a guy who's really well known who I still keep in touch with is Barry Blit, and Barry Blit does a bunch of iconic uh, New Yorker covers, uh, the ones like sort of Obama fist bumping on the cover and stuff like that. He's always in the news, um, and he and I were um, uh, breaking in at the same time in the '80s, so we kind of became friends. Uh, more acquaintances than friends, but we still touch base once in a while. And it's kind of funny because Barry's done like like a hundred New Yorker covers and every oh, wow. major thing, and and I have like a hundred New Yorker rejections. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's like, but oh, wow. I but I really you know um, I love illustration, I love painting, and and when I moved to Winnipeg and had a studio here in my house because I had a studio in downtown Toronto, but I studio in my house, and a lot of my neighbors thought I was unemployed. Because you're just because <laughs> you're always just hanging around, you're hanging around, you know. It's like you know, and it was great. And my kids got really used to it. They said, "Yeah, Daddy's upstairs painting something." You know, don't don't go in there if he's on deadline. That was always the thing, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, but yeah. What advice would you give to uh, some, you know, to some kids right now? Like, if uh, you remember when you were 18 and doing this, like, so some 18 yeah. year old right now, what would you say to them? Well, this sort of this this sort of dovetails a little bit into graphic design in the sense because. Unfortunately, illustration as a career has all but disappeared. It really has, you know, with with the proliferation of stock illustration, images on on the computer and such. Um, it's just not the commissioned work anymore. And so I think that um, that's how I kind of almost like seven years ago fell back into design, which was my original training, right? Because approximately then things the illustration market well, started. It was to... just dipping down. Um, I was getting, for example, I was. One of the feathers in my cap was always working for the Globe and Mail because they had an actual book section, right? A, a book section. They have a small section now, but they had a book section like the New York Times Book Review that I did the cover for numerous times. And I just loved it because it was across Canada. And I was getting, I think, around a thousand bucks for it, which isn't even that much money, but you're in the Globe, right? Same illustration, a number of years later, 200 bucks. Really? Two two fifty, right? And so you see the writing on the wall. And you kind of go, I can't sustain this, mm. you know. And so budgets were shrinking, and um, so I started to teach a little bit, and then I started to kind of um, remember almost my training in design, you know, because my my major training was not in illustration; it was as a designer. Mm -hmm. So I kind of came back to that. And so when I think about kids today, kids—that's how many sound so old. <laughs> 
listen up, kids. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, um, there's careers in art. You know, I would go to these schools and talk about careers in art. And it's quite funny because they'd like get wide eyed. And you could see the teachers just going, no, no. And no, <laughs> no, listen no. To don't listen to the strange man who draws at home in his pajamas. You know, <laughs> it was like. You should be a lawyer, kids. <laughs> lawyer, kids. Learn a trade. You know, <laughs> plumbing is good. Um, so, no, um, I would say if you're going to um, go into some sort of art career, our careers increasingly look like a bunch of things, you know, where maybe you do some illustration, but design, because I think of things like the web and I think of people's increased awareness of design, there are careers, definitely careers in design kind of stuff. But it's sort of like, I think what I tell and I'm teaching now, my students is you have to be patient in learning this stuff. This stuff takes a while. If students come onto my class and they know two things, one, it takes a while and it's harder than it looks, and two, typography is really, really hard. It's really hard. They come at the end, they go, I had no idea. I thought I was just picking a font and away you go. You know? And so then if they can get those two things into their head, then, then I'm, that's then, a good thing. Then I've succeeded. Wow. You know, because, and they, they, and they go like, or they say to me, I go, I can't look at stuff normally anymore. And I go, yeah. You've ruined my life. Oh, no, it is. It's like that. They go, I'm looking everywhere at fonts now. And I'm sorry. Yeah, it happens. You yeah. know, and, and, and I'm, I, I think that a friend of mine, a colleague, says that typography is the black art because it's, it's a very deeply complex thing once you get into it. And when it's done well, it's beautiful. But just when beautiful. it's done badly, oh, it's just pain on the page. Just pain. And that's, you know? and does the average person, pedestrian would they know they can kind of sense it like if they're not trained they would look at a, a menu or something with the wrong typeface on it would would they know would they pick up on that I mean, that's a great question I, I i say to my students that i'm i'm lifting the curtain for you i'm lifting the curtain to say why this is bad you think like this looks bad i don't know why i'm going to tell you why it's bad a they used comic sans this is a this is like a serious or, or hobo. That's another one for me. They've used hobo. No one should use hobo ever, right? For anything. I don't there's care what you're thinking. There's gotta be one no, usage nothing, for nothing. comic sans. Come well, on. Okay, one well, usage. I get, in I a get, comic? You know, well, in a comic, well, not even then. I get um, challenged by sometimes people. I learned this recently that for people who suffer from dyslexia, comic sans is actually one of their easiest fonts to read. And I go, Amazing. oh, okay, all right. But if you want to go into a serious business, and I know of a place, I'm not going to name it, but there's a place in town where there's health practitioners. And I go in there and all their signage is in Comic Sans. I'm like, you will not be touching me. You know, it's just like, how are you a professional? This is not professional, right? So I think that people don't always know what looks good or they kind of, they look at something, they go, that's bad, but I don't know why. And then right. you show them good design, they go, oh, well, that looks good. Right. But they don't know why, you know? So it's sort of like you're right, the average person might not be able to see it, right. you know? But one of the things I do in my class is I really expose students to kind of go, look at this. This is why this is good. And really, it's not just about beauty. That's one thing that's important to me. It's about clarity, you know? And designers that I really, really admire, they do beautiful work, but it's about, communication is about clarity and if and 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 we can pull up really bad posters and say this looks really ugly but i really have no idea what this event is 
Yeah. So there's no clarity here kind of thing. You know, or signage. Signage is really important. My my wife works at Health Sciences Center. Pretty much all their signage is at Helvetica. Mm-hmm. People have a love-hate for Helvetica. I happen to love it. I think it's great for signage. Well, because it's clean. Clean, You can clear, look at it and get what's going on in under a second. Which you kind of want in a sign. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what you want in a poster or yeah. The, yeah. the front of the package of food. You want to yeah. be able to, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. We, could, we could just rant on and on about this. <laughs> hey, besides Hobo, what else sucks? <sighs> well, this is great. Okay, Hobo, Comic Sans, and Papyrus. Okay. And someone did this brilliant thing where I think they joined Papyrus and Comic Sans together into this weird GMO font, which was the most ugliest font of all time. It was called like Papyrus Sans or something like that, right? You know, and it was like sort of, it was kind of ancient, but kind of cartoony. It was so bad. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it could have, it could have made something, uh, uh, beautiful but well it's like you like to think that these ugly fonts if you use them ironically somehow they will work but they just really often don't you know so those are my three big crimes but a lot of what i call display fonts um which are you know think of the word cold all in icicles and just kind of go oh geez no no you know so i i do like clean european fonts often it's even it's hard for me to even use serifs that much but sometimes i get them i get why you use serifs i mean the formality and stuff right so yeah it's well it just has that feel i mean that's what you're talking about with clarity it has to sort of give a certain yeah feel to the message you're trying to convey yeah you know you know if it's a, a degree if there's words on a on this you know yeah, exactly. diploma that you're getting you probably shouldn't be using Arial. No. You, well, you want to have you a should also, weight to it. Well, sorry, there was the other one. Never use Arial. <laughs> I hate I hate Arial so much. And I have a thing in my class where I kind of go, I put up uh, an Arial and Helvetica, the same word, and I show them why Arial is bad. <laughs> so, oh, but but that's, that's kind of geeky. But the thing is that you're right. If you're putting something together, like say I've got a concert that's happening at, uh, at the Pyramid, and it's all in um, Times New Roman or something like that, or Garamond or whatever. And you go, like, no, who's going to go to that? But if I've got like a three-piece, um, what do you call it, a string string quartet that's four uh, or a trio or some of that, yeah. Uh, then it then yeah, then you want something elegant. You want like a Baskerville or a Garamond or some of that. That's a nice feel, and you, and the type tells the story, you know. And and I the more I teach, the more geeky I get about type. I love type. I didn't used to say, as an illustrator, I was way more about illustration. But these last few years, I'm just geeking out about type. You're going to have to write a book. You're like yeah. the moods of type. The moods of, well, many people have written them, I think, already. But, but I, do, <laughs> I do like it as an art form. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's talk about that. We were talking earlier about the, the certain pet peeves, um, just everyday troubles of being a graphic designer. Yeah, yeah. And I think that for me, you know... Um, I, I think people around here working at a university, uh, in-house design, people know me as very collaborative, you know, and, and I do have some peeves, but I like to kind of go, I want to make something that looks good, but it has to look good and tell the story that you want to tell, you know? So I don't like when clients give me a whole lot of direction. I'll actually stop conversations and I go, let's just stop talking now. And so we can look at pictures of things because pictures will tell you stuff, right? Mm-hmm. If you go, well, I'm kind of thinking I should look like this and I should look like that. And I'm just in my head, I'm going, oh man, that is going to be so ugly. But I can't tell you that until I show you a picture of how ugly it'll be, mm-hmm. right? And so my pet peeve is a little bit is what I call over-direction. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing, like, you know, we were chatting earlier about um, things like um, uh, photos and file sizes, and it happens so much because I'm still working in print. And if you send me a headshot that's a whopping 23K, you know, or no, there's even better one. If you send me something that's supposed to be like on a six foot sign and the logo, can you send me a logo? Can you send me like a, a high, well, I don't even say high res. I say like send me a vector logo or something that can be big, right? And they send me this logo and I look and it's like 23K. And someone said, you should just blow this up. And have it printed and show them what it would look like at six feet. It's yeah. just like four big squares. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's just you know, a cloud. You know, it's of just noise. a cloud of squares, right? Yeah. So, but I've almost given up trying to explain it. I've tried to explain things like DPI and resolution mm-hmm. and file size to people so many times that I go, this can't be explained. And I think I'm a pretty good teacher. But I'm like going, I don't think it can be explained. It's, well, I think it's a pretty strong blind spot in just in er, kind of everyone. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a photographer and I deal with the same, the exact same issues all uh, the time, right? Yeah. Where people, people don't, they don't get it. They just or they, they throw it. the buzz things out at you like we we're talking about. They throw the buzz, the high res. Yeah. Or, they, or they, they throw out these numbers that they've heard about or something. It has to be a JPEG, right? And I go... Don't send me a logo yeah. as a JPEG or a TIFF. It has to or be a TIFF. The TIFF yeah. You know, I need a fifty megabyte file. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> well, it's it's always the idea. You know, I hope none of my clients are listening to this, but it's like um, a little bit of information is dangerous. Oh yes, right? Because they they've heard somewhere. Well, I've heard TIFFs are good. Yeah, you want a TIFF, right? I go, no, actually, don't want a TIFF. Don't send me a tip. Right? Yeah, because it's because it's not compressed. Yeah, it's not compressed. It's not compressed. And they and they know that, right? And, and hey, I'm the same way. If 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 my wife's in healthcare and I started talking about health terms I knew nothing about, oh, yeah. but I but I watched like one episode of ER and I was like, I used yeah. to bug her because she was on ER all the time. She wasn't on ER. She was in the emergency room. And I said, do a lot of you just walk around saying stat all the time? <laughs> it's like I want this stat. And she goes. I've never said stat in my life, right? And you, on the yeah. medical shows, they're always saying it just stat. Sounds good. Right? It you sounds know? really good. And so I think when you watch um, movies about designers, are there any? I don't know. Sometimes artists or something. But it's like what they get wrong. When Mad Men first came out, all of us totally geeked out because we all knew the fonts and the, let's say the Kodak campaign or the Volkswagen campaign. We knew some of the stuff that they were talking about it was super geeky, right? But when you look, you know, uh, at certain movies or something, you go, well, no, that would never happen. You know, that's, that's a totally, so you, every art form has its geekiness, right? Yeah. You know, a lexicon, call it that, yeah. And now it's time for a nerdy interlude. The typeface Rockwell was introduced in 1934 by the Monotype Corporation based in Massachusetts. Frank Hillman Pierpont supervised the Rockwell project and also helped develop Times New Roman and Bembo. But he was not a fan of the Gil Sands typeface, saying, I see nothing in this design to recommend it, and much that is objectionable. Do you have any interesting failures? Oh, yeah. Failure's interesting. I mean, I'm a big believer in failure teaching you stuff, but I still don't like it. You know, I think as an illustrator, I um, I know there are certain covers that I did, which I hope never resurface ever. Well, what was yeah. wrong with them? Oh, they were just so bad. I don't know. Maybe I was, I had an idea. Maybe I wasn't that good of a painter. That's... Remember there's one I was painting a bunch of bees flying into a hive for a um, 
for a business magazine. And they didn't look so much like bees as like just fat jelly beans, right? And they were just, it was just a bad painting. So it was just like kind of an execution problem? Like the idea was okay, but Sometimes maybe both. Sometimes, sometimes both, sometimes. actually. Sometimes ex- concept, I don't know why it got past their art director, concept and art and stuff like that. But like I said earlier, these paintings taught me things about, okay, I'm never going to do that again, but it's due tomorrow, you know? Failures in design um, haunt me around the campus here. If I do a really bad poster, I will see it up for a while and I just can't. It's almost the thing that drives me sometimes. I go, I can't walk by because when I walk around campus, I see my work everywhere. And I go, if it's really bad, it's going to haunt me. And so it's sort of like I've learned. I talk to my students about this too, about stripping away. There's a real thing about you have to have confidence to strip away. Here's the two comparisons. As an illustrator, there's something called economy of line. Uh, Ling Claire was, I'm probably butchering the French of that, but that's what Tintin was known for. The guy who created Tintin was the clear line. You know, in the clear line, he just used just enough lines to do these things. And it took me years, I'm going to say two decades, to get to a place where my line was all I needed. It was the economy of line. And you strip away and strip away because now you know the line you need. You know, and I think for design as well, you learn, you go through all the bad design to get to the good design. And that's why simple is not easy, you know, because like I'm a, I'm a big um, kind of a chef foodie guy too, right? And I remember there was this um, chef who talked about how simple is not easy, you know, and I always remember that because in design too, you have to strip away all the complexity to kind of go, what is the essence of what is needed here? You know, and you can throw out terms like white space and whatever like that, but it's really about what is needed what has the most impact? What will sit on the wall and people will just kind of go, that communicates, but it communicates beautifully. Yeah, and so yeah like a it. Japanese line drawing or something. That's they, exactly they right. They go like, there's a little wiggle and then yep. it's a bird. It's perfect. Yeah, and it's perfect. You know, and I remember uh, another one, last one about that is uh, I watched a film on Picasso once and Picasso makes a line. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a beautiful line. You go, well, like, okay, well, but that's just a line. You go, yeah, but that's a line because A, he's Picasso, and B, he's been painting for decades and decades and decades, and he just, that's a line. You know, and so it really, it comes down to fourth design and illustration about the beauty of the line. Yeah. And, and, and that's tough. It's not easy. Oh, man. It's, it's really, I'm still working on it, you know, and so failures teach you, like, around stuff. Like, you go, when I look at stuff later, I kind of go, I didn't need all those things. I didn't need 30% of that. Hmm. 30% gone of that would have made a better design, better illustration or something like that. And that takes a long time. I've been in this business now for 30 plus years, you know, and um, still learning stuff. Otherwise, it'd be boring. I still got to learn stuff. <laughs> well, that's true. You can't just be done. No. No one's no. ever done. No, and they shouldn't be. And, and, and people that I really admire, like I just watched, there's a great series called Abstract on, on Netflix. Um, and I show it in my class. But I just watched uh, Paula Scher's episode, and she's one of my design heroes. And she's still, I think she's in her 60s or something like that, but she's still doing work that's just dynamite. And you can tell that she's still just learning. She's on that front edge always, learning, risking things, doing things, you know. And, and I think that's, that's what I, I have to keep doing that. You know, what other heroes? Who other heroes do you have? Um, I love Chip Kidd. I find him super funny, but also this brilliant designer that changed the way book covers look. You know, I talk about Chip Kidd and I show uh, TED videos of him as well because he talks about how design uh, tells a story. So Paula Scher, definitely Chip Kidd. And then also because I'm a writer, 
writers who know how to risk things. Um, there's an American writer named Don DeLillo, who's in his 70s now, who he's always putting things out there that are just, they're just risky, you know, and, and, and musicians too, like um, like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco or, or Beck. I'm a huge Beck fan as well, right? And I think they're always like, they're always going to be ahead of the curve. You'll have tons of people, tons of bands that'll sound like Wilco, but they'll never catch up to Tweedy because Tweedy will always be on the front edge, you know, because he is following his own whatever, and he'll take some of his fan base along with him, and some will say, "Forget it, I'm done." Right? And I think that I, I try to be that um, that I'm always trying to go, "What's what's next?" It's always what's next kind of thing, and then that's what challenges me. I, I'd like to be that person on the front edge but that doesn't mean that i'm not influenced by everything around me but I, but i want that front edge often yeah yeah it uh, takes a lot of energy to do that you can't be complacent you can't be complacent complacent you, you, if you just fall asleep then you're just like then and that's why you know we go back to the failure question if i fall asleep and i have to walk around this campus and look at crap design i've done yeah. i just can't i just can't do it yeah do you think there's such a a thing as canadian design because you mentioned before that your illustrations were sort of like this a bit of Canadiana feel to them. Like no, I, I, I would correct that a little bit. I mean, I work for lots of um, Canadians, of course, and Americans and a couple of other countries. But it's more of a, I was actually really influenced by European illustrators. And I think that um, it's true. I did say there was a pen and ink watercolor Canadian thing going on in the 80s. So I should correct myself there. But I think as a designer, maybe because I'm what's called in-house uh, at the university here, I'm not as in touch with the design community here. I think people sort of maybe know who I am. I mentor students. I, um, I mentor students from Red River sometimes. you know. But I think I'm a little bit outside of it. And I see design as more almost international, worldly. Because, I mean, besides like someone like Burton Kramer who did uh, the CN logo, you kind of go, well, that's the iconic... Canadian logo, but I look at that and I go, well, yeah, but that looks like a bunch of you know, some of the stuff like Pentagram in New York's doing, you know, or these other studios. And I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird question. Uh, I had a friend once, American friend, he said, here's Canadian design or Canadian art. They love to slap that maple leaf on everything. And they, but they said, but it's a really good brand. It's a really, it's a clean red and white logo that looks good on a lot of things. Yeah, it's got a good silhouette. Right? You know, yeah, and so... It's geometrical, and you do things with it. So you think of like the, the logo, like the CN logo is, is, is an ultimate, and it's a lovely logo, you know, but I think about, I don't know what, I don't know what Canadian design is, I guess is my Well, how do you answer. keep yourself on, on the, the cutting edge? There must be Canadian design magazines that you read or something like that. Wow. Uh, I should. <laughs> so you don't, well, then how do you keep yourself you know, not complacent? Um, I really don't anymore. I used to in my early years of my career. I was always reading print, um, how, CA, all of them, you know, and I get all the awards annuals, and I really don't anymore. And I think more now, it's almost like an osmosis thing. When I'm walking around, I see billboards, I see posters. Um, I still love magazines. Uh, I'll go to the library and just rip through magazines, or more maybe my version of the library, which is like standing at chapters and being at the magazine rack for an hour and just kind of look at stuff. And I, I kind of soak it in, um, but I don't look. There's one magazine I will say I look at a lot. This is, this is me revealing all my tricks. Um, report on business. Oh, yeah. Continues to be just a beautifully designed magazine. So, and I have out and out stolen from 
report on business for some of my designs because it just looks so darn good, you know? So, I mean, in that sort of way, but I'm not aware of like trends except for like someone mentioned to me once, um, you don't know when uses Rockwell anymore, right? So I know, I just like Rockwell so much, the, the type, right? And they go like, oh, that Rockwell, and they're bugging me about it, right? So I go, okay, okay, I should like look at some magazines. I look at stuff, on, a lot of stuff online. Is how I, how I keep, uh, I, you can search, search uh, logo trends for 2018, and you'll see all you need to see. That's you know? so cool. You know, and so it, keep fresh that way kind of thing. I could keep fresher. You know, maybe I'll listen to this podcast. I'll listen to other designers. Oh, you're going to listen back on this podcast yeah, and yeah. then criticize the heck out of yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. I'm just reading these questions now. That's funny. Um, if, you, if you could have named your firstborn after a specific font, what would it be? <laughs> Not hobo for... Papyrus? No. For... Yeah, there we go. Comic Papyrus. Oh, there it is. Oh, comic, comic, comic Papyrus. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to put that up on the blog, Evan. <laughs> that is awful. That is just the worst. Um, that's actually, believe it or not, I really like that question because it shows the, the geekiness of how fonts have um, personality. I would name my kid, my firstborn, uh, Mary. Pro. Um, My middle name is Myriad Pro. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, A, Myriad's just kind of cool, you know, but Pro, you'd want, yeah, that's my kid, he's a pro. Yeah. You know, it's like he's professional, he's pro. Like, you know, it's not going to be like some goofy thing. Like, some of the newer fonts have the goofiest, dumbest names, right? But Myriad Pro is a really nice sounding font. It's the Canadian Midnight University's institutional font. So I use it a lot. Uh, we also use Minion Pro, but I wouldn't call my kid a minion because they wouldn't like that. But I would definitely call them Myriad Pro and they'd be clean and, and they would be clear. Clean and clear. Clean and clear, and they would be, um, they would make a statement, and I would always know what they're about. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> any any final words of uh, wisdom uh, that you want to uh, plug into this podcast? You, you know that we are listened to internationally. Internationally, wow, wow. There you go. Um, design. Uh, this is a design thing. Let me think about this. It's, it's just sort of like. It's kind of an art form that I think people are getting, they're starting to understand more and more. It's sort of like when desktop publishing came along, I think it kind of ruined it for a while because all of a sudden everyone's a designer. But then people start to realize, oh, there's, you actually have to know how to do stuff. And I think it's becoming more respected as an art form. And I think that, okay, this is my final thing. I make things. I don't, I don't, I don't like the word artist so much, right? But I do a lot of things, but it's all has to do with making stuff. And in this period of my career, I'm making design. And I, I want to say sometimes like, like who gets to do that? Like I've had right over art school, right out of art school, I've had 30 plus years of creative jobs where I make stuff. And I go like, like who gets to do that? I mean, that's just the most awesome thing. So, yeah. so there is hope, kids. There yeah. is a future. Yeah. You but can learn a trade. It. Learn plumbing. <laughs> learn plumbing as well. You know? <laughs> but I did. I mean, I'm weird. I did it. I actually, I'm continuing to do it. I've actually had an art career for this long. So I guess, yeah, yeah you can. You can, kids. Sure. You should do it. You should sure. do it. But you got to work really hard. Oh, yeah. You, you got to work really hard. Don't wait around to be inspired. That is just dumb. That's just dumb. You just get to work. Just go, go, go to work. You know, it's just sort of like... Make stuff. Do it. Makes, people say, you know, Craig, what inspires you? And I say, the mortgage. <laughs> it has to okay, be Okay, so step one, get a mortgage. Get a mortgage, get a mortgage. You know, That'll and, really make you work. And 
you gotta you gotta work you gotta have a paycheck so yeah do it kids that's awesome <laughs> okay we're gonna wrap it up all right that's leaf thank you all right this has been a production by gdc manitoba andrew boardman evan coos and me leaf norman you can check out Craig Turlson's Instagram feed at C Turlson, C T E R L S O N. And also, check out some of the things we talked about today, such as Lean Claire, Barry Blit, and Craig's watercolors at outofthestudio.ca. Music for Oots has been supplied by Good for Your Portfolio. The song Trank is off of their upcoming album, My Desk is Cooler Than Your Desk. Thanks for listening, and I hope we all learn something.